So I'm just curious, how many have heard that song before? How many have sung that song before? How many have asked the question though, what makes grace so amazing? Yeah, we, we sing it, we declare it, but thankfully you're here and we're spending five or six weeks answering that question, asking it and answering that question, what is so amazing about grace? Because by the way, if grace is true, and hence the title of this series, if it's true, it actually sounds too good to be true. As Louis said on Tuesday, she turned 40 and we got the hashtag trending. Lordy, Lordy, Louis turning 40. And that was going pretty viral. Nearly, nearly caught the Chewbacca mom. Tuesday night, we went for dinner, uh, Mount Lawley Side Door Barbecue, highly recommend, big shout out. And uh, we got there at six, which is way, way late for people to have dinner. Um, but I took one for the team and uh, waited till six to have dinner. Things you do for your wife when she turns 40. And um, our little 21-month-old nephew, little Isaac was there. And by eight o'clock, he was a bit over it, me too, but I didn't say anything. Uh, he was a bit over it and, and we all said, it was just a fam. We all said, okay, it's, it's, it's obviously, it's time to go. Isaac's a little bit restless. Now, I didn't follow them home. It's just not my thing, but it's quite likely that Isaac fell asleep on the way home. He does it, he, like, he falls asleep in the car no matter what time of day it is. It's quite likely he fell asleep in the car on the way home. And um, it's quite likely that he woke up the next morning in his own bed, his own little cot, his own little bed, and his own little Jimmy Jams. And it's quite likely if he had words, which he kind of doesn't, that he could have said to his mum, how did I get here? And, and how is it that I am not wearing the clothes I was wearing when I was last awake? I'm in my Jimmy Jams. And if he asked that so eloquently, his mum would have said to him, Isaac, you got here because your dad carried you. And not only did he carry you here, when he got you here, he actually changed you. And, and you understand that, that you couldn't have done any of that by yourself, but that actually your dad did it all for you. Isn't that cool? And Isaac, if he had words, would have said, yeah, mom, it's pretty cool. Well, that right there is the picture of grace. That right there is the story of the Gospel. That right there is why grace is so amazing. Because you and I, we came into this world separated from God. We came into this world separated from God because of a thing called original sin. And I don't have time to go into that in any length this morning. But we, we began life separated from God and we would have remained separated from God here had it not been for God sending His Son Jesus into the world, taking the punishment that we deserved on our behalf. And actually, because He did that, anybody that asks Jesus forgiveness, anybody that asks Jesus to become the Lord of their life is actually taken from here over to here. Here is separation from God. Here is no relationship with God. Here is an eternity destined for hell. And yet because of Jesus standing in the gap on our behalf, because of Jesus dying on a cross on our behalf, we actually went from here to here and are now standing in a relationship with God. But you know what? It's nothing we did. We got from there to there because 
our dad carried us. And not only did he carry us, but when he got us to this place, the beginning of a relationship with him, he didn't just leave us there, he started to change us. He carries us and he changes us. That's grace. And if it's true, it sounds too good to be true that Jesus did it all. Now, some of you grew up in church, I know, not this church, but you grew up in a church. And I'd be reasonably confident that a percentage of you may have been exposed to a message that, that God loves us because, and, and, and we start filling in the blanks. That, that we actually earn God's love, that, that we actually, we, we receive God's love when we deserve it, when we, when we do some things right and don't do some things wrong. The message of grace says that God loves us, full stop. There's no conditions attached. This might be breaking news for some of you. Do you know that if you decided today to leave Elevate Church and never set foot inside the door of a church again for as long as you live, do you know that God's love for you would not change one single ounce? Now, now that's not God's best for your life. You see, following Jesus is a team sport. We are designed for community. I don't think you can follow Jesus effectively on your own. But you know what? If you chose to try it, it wouldn't actually affect God's love for you. (laughs) God loves it when we're part of a church, but He doesn't love us because we're part of a church. He loves us, period. It's called grace. (laughs) Do you know... If you never read the Bible again, ever, that God's love for you wouldn't change. This is Louis' new phone. God's love, there's a silent function. I'll show you how it works later. Um, that's, that's, that's the first time I burnt Louis since she turned 40. <laughs> Publicly. <laughs> If you stopped reading your Bible and never read your Bible again for as long as you live, do you know that God's love for you would not change one single skerrick? Now, I don't recommend not reading your Bible. In fact, I don't understand how you think you can follow Jesus effectively and not read your Bible because you will not get to know God's person. You will not get to know God's promises and you will not get to know God's power unless you intimately dig deep, consistently in His Word. So so if you don't read your Bible, it's it's actually you that's missing out. And and I don't understand why you do that to yourself. But but if you didn't read your Bible, God's love for you wouldn't change. God loves it, it when we read our Bible, but He doesn't love us because we read our Bible. He loves us, full stop. That messes with religious people's minds. And by the way, I did promise I was gonna mess with religious people's minds for these five to six weeks. So if you're currently having your mind messed with, maybe you've got a little bit of religion in you. And my prayer is that God's gonna actually scrape that out. Divinely, surgically remove it. Mm, yeah, love it. And you know what? You know, when I'm done preaching today, never a minute over 11, 
I am. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I've got an apology to make uh, to those of you that were here last week or if you listen on the podcast. I only preached for 22 minutes last week. So I'm really sorry about that. Um, some of you felt very ripped off. I don't think I've ever preached for 22 minutes in my entire life. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to repeat that today. I'm going to give some of you an opportunity, an invitation, in fact, to move from here, separated from God, because some of you are over to here today. And all you need to do is fall into the arms of your Father. All you need to do is surrender to Him and He will carry you from here, separated from God, to here in a relationship with God. So stay tuned and don't miss that opportunity. Open your uh, Elevate app. We talked about that and uh, click the Bible tile and it'll take you to Genesis chapter 6. Way, 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 way back in the Bible. Now, I'm going to kick off at verse 9, but let me just sort of summarise the backstory that's going on around chapter 6. Nobody was obeying God on the earth. And God didn't like that very much. So God decided He was going to hit a factory reset and kill everyone and start again. It's like he'd had enough. Like I tried, I tried to get them to obey me. I tried again and again and again and nothing's working. So you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna erase everybody and I'm gonna start over. It's pretty serious. Except he decided that he was gonna spare one guy and his family. And when you read this guy, this guy's CV, you can kind of start to see why. In verse nine, this is what appears on his CV. His name's Noah, you might've heard of him. This is, this, is, this is on his CV, it's pretty good. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time and walked faithfully with God. In fact, not only was that on Noah's CV, it wasn't on anybody else's CV. Nobody else's name could have been inserted for Noah's. And by the way, until Jesus did this for us, we couldn't have inserted our name in there either because we weren't righteous, we weren't blameless, and we weren't walking faithfully with God. So here's what God's plan was. He was gonna spare Noah and his family. And he said to Noah, he wanted Noah to build a ship, a big wooden ship. And we now know it's called Noah's Ark, okay? Um, if you're kind of wondering how it went, this, this is actually a, a real life replica that a Dutch carpenter has just finished building. Um, it took the Dutch carpenter, you can sort of see the scale, there's a couple of soccer mom minivans over there in the bottom right. Uh, you can kind of see the scale of this. So, so Noah did this single-handedly. This guy, the Dutch guy, named Johan, true story. Uh, It took him and his team three years to build this and and one million great British pounds, about two million Aussie dollars. It took Noah over a hundred years to build the ark that God had called him to build. And and I just wanna say that the lesson that comes from this taking Noah a hundred years is very, very obvious. That, that not everything that God calls us to do is gonna be quick. We like quick fixes. We like quick solutions. We like things to move along. We like to swipe and scroll. We don't like to hover. 100 years. 
Noah stuck with the plan. And one of the things that, that, that I wanna strongly encourage you in this, instant, this increasingly instant society that we live in is buck the trend in key factors of your life and think in years, not, not, not months or weeks or days or seconds, but think, of, think in years. What am I doing now that's gonna set myself, my, my spouse, my family, my destiny, my calling, make me more effective? What am I doing today that, that, that fast forward five, 10, 20, 50 years, how's this gonna play out? And start making wise decisions now. So Noah got about it. But, but not only did it take him 100 years, where Noah lived at the time, he actually lived about 100 miles away from the sea. Right, And he didn't have a four-wheel drive that would have just towed this down on weekends. It would not have made any sense to Noah's neighbours as to why he was building any sort of seafaring vessel, let alone this seafaring vessel. So for a hundred years, Noah's neighbours were walking past him. Hey Noah, you do realise you live a hundred miles from the sea? Well, we don't read the names of any of Noah's neighbours because first of all, Nobody built statues to critics. And second of all, they all died. <laughs> so it's fair to say Noah had the last laugh in that particular uh, ridicule exchange. So not only are the things God calls us to sometimes difficult, not only do they sometimes take a long time, but they don't always make sense to the people around you. And I know people who have quit the calling of God because of the ridicule and the critiques of other people who didn't understand. And yet Noah, we read about him today, we're preaching about him today because he stuck with it, despite it not making any sense to the people around him. He, he, he did what God called him to do. It did make sense. You know, I think about our vision as a church. We've grown by 30% in the last 12 months. We're consistently hitting over 100 bums on seats. These are numbers, every number has a name, every name has a story. Every story matters to God. Um, you know, our vision is to, is to be a church of multiple thousands of people because every number has a name, every name has a story and every story matters to God. Do you know most of the people you interact with on a daily basis, if they were to die tomorrow, would be going to eternity in hell? The people you'll turn up to work alongside tomorrow, if they died would be going to hell. Do you know the people that you're gonna pull into your house next to them today and drive down your street past them if they were to die tomorrow are going to hell? That's why as a church, we have a vision to be a church of many thousands of people because many thousands of people need to have a relationship with Jesus. They are currently here and they need to be here. And I'm aware that when we go around telling people that, that God's given us a big vision, not to be just a church of many thousands of people, but to meet in multiple locations because we're not gonna reach a whole city, a whole nation and nations just by being the little church that could on the corner in Rivervale. We're gonna have to actually take the Gospel to where people are, not just expect them to all drive to Rivervale. So we're gonna meet in multiple locations. We're probably even gonna meet in multiple nations. And I'm aware that, that when we start talking about this sort of stuff and you pull up our metrics, and we're only just consistently hitting 100, people will look and think that we, we're insane. But people thought the same of Noah. And these aren't my numbers, and, and, and this isn't my vision, and this isn't because I wanna have a bigger business card and a 
more powerful Vespa. This is because people need Jesus and I wanna make sure Elevate Church is at the pointy end of reaching them. But people are gonna think we're crazy. Oh yeah, Church of 100. Delusions of grandeur. So we're gonna start by chasing 200, but we're not gonna stop. All right, scroll down to chapter to verse 22. I'm gonna put up on the screens in two versions. You'll be reading it in the app, probably in the New International Version, but I'm gonna read it from the message and I want, to, <laughs> I want you to notice this. The message translates, Noah did everything God commanded. He, God had just given Noah, he didn't just say build an ark or build a ship. He actually gave very specific instructions. This wasn't a choose your own adventure. Some people think that following Jesus is a choose your own adventure. No, following Jesus is about doing everything Jesus told you to do. And not just doing everything God commanded him to do, but doing it just as God commanded him. It's not just doing the things that God commands us to do. It's also doing them how God commands us to do them that matters, that gets the results that God wanted. And so he built the ship and then it started raining a lot, understatement. And, and, and Noah, he, well, Noah, God allowed him to take his wife, Mrs. Noah, and his three sons and their wives. So his three daughters-in-law and, and two of every animal. That, that's who was allowed on the ship. And together they spent the next 370 days just bobbling about. Have any of you ever been on vacation with your extended family for any length of time and, and, and had it, and, and, and it occurred to you after a period of time that this isn't fun anymore? Noah spent 370 days with Mrs. Noah, his three kids and their wives, plus a lot of animals and a lot of poo. 370 days. Not everything God calls us to do is gonna be quick or easy. And we're called to persevere. But you know, here's the thing about grace is that when God calls us to do something that's not quick and not easy, He also gives us the grace that's gonna sustain us to persevere. We don't persevere in our own strength. We persevere by drawing on His strength because where there's calling, there's provision but we need to access it. And so time comes, stops raining. Been raining a while. In fact, by the time it stopped raining, Noah was 601 years old. So he didn't eat any processed food. You lived that long. So in the 601st year of Noah's life, on the first day of the first month, January 1st, let's just say, probably wasn't, but let's just say it was, the flood had dried up. Noah opened the hatch of the ship and saw dry ground. This is pretty cool. And your first instinct would be to, you know, put the, put the, the, the ramp down and walk. It, we didn't. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. And by the way, even at this stage, Noah hadn't yet left the ship. Eventually, God spoke to Noah and, and, and gave him permission to leave the ship. One of the most important things about God's commands is to actually follow also His timing because it's His grace and His timing actually go hand in hand. And I, 
I've been a professional Christian for, for, for over two decades and I've lost count of the number of people that, that talk to me that they, that they operate by the open and closed door principle. That when, and some of you heard me preach this before and you're gonna hear me preach it again because I need to try and slap it out of you if you believe that this is how God works. That when a door is open, it must be God's permission to go through and when a door is closed, it must be God's denial to, to go through. And, and, and yet the, the, the ground was dry, but Noah didn't leave because Noah didn't live by circumstance. He, he lived by God's instructions. He didn't walk by sight, he walked by, by faith. In fact, three weeks ago, I preached a message called Chain Reactions. And, and it told a story, or it was an account of the story of, of two of the early church heavyweights, Paul and his sidekick, one of his sidekicks, a guy named Silas. And they were put in prison and uh, they were put in prison and, 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 and whilst in prison and shackled, they thought the best thing that they could do was start singing praises to God. They weren't living by circumstance because if they were living by circumstance, they would have been sitting there flipping the bird to God, but instead they were singing praises to God because they realised that even though their circumstances changed, God doesn't change and He's worthy of our praise, whether we're in the outside or the inside of a prison cell. Because you can be free on the inside even while being shackled on the outside. But here's the thing, they started praising and God created an earthquake that caused their shackles to fly off and not just theirs, in fact, all of the prisoners around them and the gates of the prison cell to swing wide open. And your first instinct would be to run. God's, God's released us. God's, God's taken the shackles off and He swung the doors open. You know what? They didn't move, they didn't move a muscle. They just kept praising. In fact, the jailer was outside and he heard the shackles break and he heard the, the gates swing open. And he knew that, 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 that because the prisoners obviously then uh, got out of there, that he would have not only lost his job, but, but he would have actually been killed because he let one of the biggest troublemakers to the early Roman uh, Republic, Paul, telling everyone about Jesus, undermining their, let him out. So he would have been killed. So, he, so he's like, Ah, oh, he had an oh crap moment, what, what Renati calls a code brown. And uh, she's a nurse. It, mean, it does mean what you think it means. Um, and and, Paul, and Paul yells out to the jailkeeper, it's cool, mate. We're still in here. Because God hadn't given them permission to leave. They didn't live by open and closed doors. They live by following the voice and the leading of God's Holy Spirit because some doors will be open in your life and you shouldn't go through. And some doors are gonna be closed and God wants you to exercise your faith and your perseverance by His grace and His strength to actually knock them down and cause breakthrough. God's grace and God's timing go hand in hand. And if you move too soon, you go it alone. And, and we don't like that. Now, I know we don't like that, not just by pure guesswork. In February, we taught a series called The Power of Same. And there was four messages in this series, The Power of Same. And I've let you guys know that we put all of our slide decks from our messages up on a service that's owned by LinkedIn called SlideShare. And we put that up there so that people who listen to our podcasts, a lot of what we do is visual, they can access the slides and, and those two services work hand in hand. And then what we can do is we can track the analytics of how many people actually visit each slide deck. So there's four messages in the power of same. One of them is a message that I taught called, it might take a while. The big, big idea of the message is that we are to repeat the right things until the routine produces the reward. But to get the reward, you gotta understand 
it might take a while. And it's what we do in the meantime, in the while, that's going to make the difference. Well, the reason I know that a lot of people want some answers around that is because that particular message has twice as many views on SlideShare as the other three messages that we preached in the very same series. And, and people may, by the way, this is what's ironic, I kind of chuckle, is, is, is some of the people that would have looked at that particular slide deck were hoping for some quick answers to the problem of it might take a while. And all I did is remind them that there aren't any in some of the things God calls you to. It, it might take a while. If you're thinking this is taking a while, my answer is, okay. <laughs> some help you preachers, huh? Verse 20. Noah's gotten off at this stage with his family and the animals. And he built an altar to God and he selected clean animals and birds from every species and offered them as burnt offerings on the altar. And God smelt the sweet fragrance and thought to himself, huh, I'll never again curse the ground because of people. Noah had demonstrated to God that there was still hope in his creation, that, that we can be faithful. But, but I, I don't want you to miss this. See, in that second sentence, he selected clean animals and birds from every species. There was two classifications of the animals. There was clean and there was unclean. And, uh, and, and both of them were on the ark, but, but they were only permitted to eat the clean animals. And they weren't permitted to eat the unclean animals. They were considered unclean and not, and not uh, fit for human consumption. And, and yet here we have Noah not burning the unclean animals because he, he should have because they weren't, weren't food. And, and I wonder if at this point in history, the, the writer doesn't say it, so I'm, I'm freestyling a bit, but I just wonder if while Noah's selecting and burning the clean animals, if his three sons weren't standing by saying, Dad, are you crazy? You're, 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 you're burning... You're burning our food source. You're burning our provisions. And, and, and I wonder if, if that happened, if Noah would have replied, God, uh, to, to his sons, you know, sons, these clean animals aren't the source of our provision. God's the source of our provision. And I'm doing this because I understand grace. I understand that for the last 370 days, He carried us. And I'm going to, in response to His grace, give Him nothing but the best. And that's why God took it as a sweet fragrance. And when I meet people who say they're followers of Jesus but aren't serving Him, aren't giving financially to Him, I, I wonder if it's because they don't actually fully understand the concept of grace. That, that, that we serve Jesus because He carried us. We, we give Jesus the first and the best when it comes to our financial resources because He carried us. And, and, and not only that, we don't trust that, that, that our time is the source of our provision and we don't trust that our bank balance is the source of our provision. We trust that God and God alone is the source of our provision. And if we understand grace, then serving and giving would just become natural reflexive responses. All right. Skip over to chapter 9, verse 20. We're going to put up on the screens if, uh, if uh, you haven't got our app. 795 global downloads this morning. Noah, a farmer 
was the first to plant a vineyard. Now, I like this guy. I get it. He's just survived 375 days with his extended family stuck on a ship. He wants a drink. He might have wanted it for a very long time. He just couldn't, but now he could, so he does. He planted a vineyard. But even then, it would have taken a while because this might take a while. And he drank from its wine. Doesn't say how much, but if you haven't had a drink for a few years, it wouldn't take much. He got drunk and he passed out naked in his tent. Ham, this is one of his sons. When you, when you, you don't call your kids Ham. Um, the, the, well, they was the better of the three names. Stay tuned. The father of Canaan saw that his father was naked and told his two brothers who were outside the tent, Shem and Japheth, also not good names today, took a cloak, held it between them on their shoulders, walked backwards and covered their father's nakedness, keeping their faces turned away so they did not see their father's exposed body. I put this in here as a little bit of bonus content. I want you to ask yourself the question, what do you do when somebody in your world messes up? Do you try to expose them? Gossip about them? Look for somebody to tell that they didn't do what you wanted them to do, that they messed up? Because if you do, you don't understand grace. Or... Do you look to cover their nakedness? Not pretend it didn't happen, but understand it's not your job to broadcast that somebody fell. Because by the way, you're gonna be next. Because we all fall, we all trip, we all stumble. But if you understand grace, you understand your job's not to name and shame, it's to restore and protect and build up. That's grace. Yeah, I know, it's too good to be true. And by the way, this is a really important principle. A lot of things are taught about leadership. Let me, let, me, let me just for a very brief moment talk about followership because followership is critical to leadership. And if a leader in your world makes a decision that you didn't like, didn't agree with, they didn't ask for your vote, what's your response? Or when somebody comes and tells you about something that a leader did that, that they didn't like, what's your response? Oh yeah, <laughs> I heard about that too. What a douche. Or is it to cover them? I don't, I don't understand the circumstances fully, so I'm not gonna join in this conversation with you. I, I don't have the same vantage point as they do, and I'm gonna trust that God's leading this. I'm not gonna name and shame them. I'm gonna cover them and honour them and protect them and pray for them. And not pray for them that they decide to do what you want them to do. <laughs> pray that they continue to hear the voice of God. Anyway, it's a bit of bonus content, but it still applies to grace. Now, I'm nearly done. I'm only four minutes over. Not bad. You know, Noah was mentioned by Jesus. It's recorded in the, the, the Gospels. Noah was actually given a shout out by Jesus as being a great man of faith. He was also given a shout out by the writer of Hebrews as being a great man of faith. He was also given two shout outs, shouts out by Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers in, in, in the first Peter and the second Peter, two letters that Peter wrote as a great man of faith. Noah got 
four shout outs in the new part of the Bible from Jesus, the writer of Hebrews and two shout outs from Peter. As a great man of faith, none of them mentioned drunk Noah. They, me- they mentioned man of faith Noah. They don't mention drunk Noah. You know, drunk Noah would have gotten kicked out of some churches today if this became public knowledge, right? And I'm not saying that we go around getting boozed up, but I'm just saying this is a fact. It's recorded. Noah got drunk. God knew it. Jesus knew it. The writer of Hebrews knew it. Peter knew it. And yet Jesus and the writer of Hebrews and Peter, they didn't mention drunk Noah. They mentioned man of faith Noah. How does that work? I'll tell you how it works. It's a thing called grace because grace covers. Doesn't pretend it didn't happen. When we acknowledge that we've fallen short of God's standard, God's best, and ask His forgiveness, we might not forget, but He does. He forgives, He forgets, He, he wipes our slate clean. He gives us a factory reset. He, he actually says we become a new creation. So whilst this was a part of Noah's history, it didn't define his destiny. And, and, and God didn't pick Noah because Noah was so good. God picked Noah because God is so good. And if you've ever asked yourself whether you're worthy of the calling God's given you, you're asking the wrong question because God doesn't give you a calling because you're so good. He gives you a calling because He's so good. And He doesn't expect us to fulfil the calling in our own strength. He expects us to fulfil the calling using and relying on His grace and His strength. And when we screw up, which we will, the best thing we can do is go to Him and say, I'm sorry, can, can we start this again? And He goes, yep, let's go. Yeah, you might've been drunk Noah in that moment, but that's not who I've called you to be. We're gonna get this done and I am gonna carry you Even when you fall down from where you are to where you need to be, it's a thing called grace. One of the best illustrations that I have ever come across is a father and son called Dick and Rick Hoyt. They're from Boston and uh, due to having um, uh, oxygen deprivation when he was born, oxygen deprivation to his brain, he was actually born as a spastic quadriplegic and diagnosed with cerebral palsy. So he was told that, his parents were told that they should put him away into a care facility and just forget about him because he'd never have any quality of life. And they they didn't do that. They they refused to do that. And and they tried to give Rick as normal as an upbringing as they possibly could. And when he was quite young, they noticed that as they moved across the room, mum and dad, that Rick's eyes would follow them. And they realised that that actually the light was on and someone was home. And, And so they worked to develop a speech. This is in the 1970s, by the way, before Siri. Uh, to develop a speech recognition software with, with one of the local universities that Rick could use to communicate. And they taught him the alphabet. Eventually, he went to school. Eventually, he graduated from college. Um, but one of the, the things that, that, that uh, they discovered is, is, is Rick loved sport. And Rick had read about a local five-mile race, eight-kilometre running race. And he asked his dad if, if they could enter together. 
and Dad would do the pushing, and, and Rick would, would, would do the riding. And they, and they got to the, the finish line of that race. No one thought they would finish. They, and they, by the way, they didn't come last. And, uh, and, and Rick said to his dad, Dad, you know when I'm running, I don't feel like I have a disability. And since that first eight mile, that, that eight, uh, five mile race, they've raced together in over a thousand races, including full marathons, the Boston Marathon every year duathlons and triathlons, and in fact, have even completed six Hawaii Ironman World Championship triathlons. And I want to show you a bit of footage from some of that. Uh, we produced this a while ago, so apologies for the res and so on, but um, this is grace. This is your father carrying you. Check this out. 